Hi, I'm Valerie Dalton, founder and artistic director of the Live Literature Company. Kroizo Ibaub, Valerie Dalton Idui. Welcome to our first podcast, which is focused on the passionate writing of David Jones. I plan our podcast to be structured like our company newsletters, so we will have a seasonal structure of summer, autumn, winter and spring podcasts. Our first summer season and podcast story one is about the First World War. I thought it would be a wonderful idea to mark the postponing of this year's nationalised Stedford for the Live Literature Company to celebrate Wales and Welsh culture by launching this podcast of our recent performance at the Wales Millennium Centre. And all the performers agreed with me this would be a wonderful way to celebrate Wales. This is a programme I devised around the great, passionate First World War piece David Jones wrote in parenthesis, which focuses on the Battle of the Somme in particular the terrible battle of Mamet's Wood, in which so many Welsh lost their lives. The writing is deeply imbued with Welsh culture. We open with a poem by Hadvin, who won the Bardic Chair for the Nationalised Edford in 1917, but never returned from the trenches to receive his prize. We hope you enjoy this performance given by Gregory Cox, Fiona Evans, Cyril Thomas, accompanied by Hannah Gill on piano. Do ask your friends to listen too, and hopefully everyone who would have been at the Eisteddford will be listening. In 1917, Heather won the Bardic Chair for National Eisteddford, but never came home from the trenches to receive his prize, the chair was awarded to him posthumously, draped in a black sheet. R. Williams Parry, Heathwin, translated it into English. The heavy bard neath foreign soil, both hands still held in prayer. The heavy eyes neath a heavy door, eyes that will open no more. Your life has passed, your troops have run their course. The hour of your rest has come, and travelling the world now done. O oh, comrades, now neath the glow of many moons, ne'er forget this soldier. For sadder beyond all sadness was to submit this bard to soil. His chair alone here is our present, both arms intent on listening. Today they reach both still and silent, yet wait for evermore. And in its original Welsh. A bardd trwm dan breath tramor, a dwy law na ddolir rhagor, a llyged dwys dan ddwys ddor, a llyged na all agor. Wedi ei fyw y mae dy fywyd, dy rawd wedi ei rhedeg hefyd, Daith awr i fynd i'th werid, a daith i ben deithio byd. Hafrodir, dan hyfrydwch llawer lloer y llanc nac anghofiwch. Canis mwy trist na tristwch, bydd rhoddi'r lles gfardd i'r llwch. 
gadair unig ei drig draw, ei dwy fraich, fel pendifrif wrandaw. Heddiw, estyn yn fistaw mewn hedd hir amin na ddaw. In parenthesis, part one. The many men so beautiful. Men marched, they kept equal step. Men marched, they had been nurtured together. My companions in the war were mostly Londoners, with an admixture of Welshmen, so that the mind and folk life of those two differing racial groups are an essential ingredient to my theme. Nothing could be more representative. These came from London, those from Wales. Together, they bore in their bodies the genuine tradition of the island of Britain. This writing is called In Parenthesis because I have written it in a kind of a space between I don't know between quite what, but as you turn aside to do something, and because for us amateur soldiers, and especially for the writer who is not only amateur, but grotesquely incompetent, a knocker over of piles, a prayed despair, the war itself was a parenthesis. Mr. P.D.I. Jenkins, who is 21 years old, is now to do his business. Number seven, platoon. Number seven, number seven, right by the right. How they sway in the swing round for all this multiplicity of gear. Keep to your dressing. Sergeant Snell did his bit. Corporal Quilter in tones. Dress to the right. No, the other right. Keep those slopes. Keep those sections of four. Pick those knees up. Throw those chests out. Hold those heads up. Stop that talking. Keep those chins in. Left, left, left. Left, right, left. You, Private Ball, it's you I've got me glad eye on. Edward Thomas, writing in the border country in 1916. Rain. Rain. Midnight rain, nothing but the wild rain on this bleak hut, and solitude, and me, remembering again that I shall die, and neither hear the rain nor give it thanks, for washing me cleaner than I have been since I was born into this solitude. Blessed are the dead that the rain rains upon, but here I pray that none whom once I loved is dying tonight or lying still awake, solitary, listening to the rain, either in pain or thus in sympathy, helpless among the living and the dead. Like a cold water among broken reeds, myriads of broken reeds, all still and stiff, like me, who have no love which this wild rain has not dissolved, except the love of death. If love it be towards what is perfect, and cannot, the tempest tells me, disappoint. R.S. Thomas, The Cry. Don't think it was all hate that grew there. Love grew there too, 
climbing by small tendrils where the warmth fell from the eye's blue flame. Don't think even the dirt and the brute ugliness reigned unchallenged. Among the fields, sometimes the spirit, enchained so long by the gross flesh, raised suddenly there its wild note of praise. And uh, translated into Welsh. Na choiliwch mae casine bynunig a dyfodd yno. Ffynodd cariad yno hefyd. Yn dringo yn fregis o'r man, llelaniodd y gwres, a ddisgynodd o fflam y llygad gleision. Na choiliwch y chwaith, y ther nasau'r llygredd a'r bydreddu yn fi her. Weithiau, ymhlith y meisydd, ac wedi ei gadwyni cyhyd o fewn y cnawd a flendid, chiau yr enaid yn sydyn ei sain o foliant. Siegfried Sassoon, Secret Music. I keep such music in my brain, no din this side of death can quell. Glory exulting over pain, and beauty garlanded in hell. My dreaming spirit will not heed the roar of guns that would destroy my life, that on the gloom can read proud surging melodies of joy. To the world's end I went, and found death in his carnival of glare. But in my torment I was crowned, and music dawned above despair. In parenthesis, part two. Chambers go off, corporals stay. On Tuesday they put on their dark blue raiment. On Wednesday, they prepared their enamelled shields. The Send-Off by Wilfred Owen Down the close darkening lanes, they sang their way to the siding shed and lined the train with faces grimly gay. Their breasts were stuck all white with wreath and spray as men's are dead. Dull porters watched them and a casual tramp stood staring hard sorry to miss them from the upland camp. Then, unmoved, signals nodded, and a lamp winked to the guard. So secretly, like wrongs hushed up, they went. They were not ours. We never heard to which front these were sent, nor there if they yet mock what women meant who gave them flowers. Shall they return to beatings of great bells, in wild train loads, a few, a few, too few for drums and yells, may creep back silent to village wells up half-known roads. I don't think there is much else, you, Captain Gower. You understand? Yes. A move last, yes. Well, that is all. Platoons will parade outside their billets at six o'clock. Companies should be on the road at 6.20. The battalion must be assembled at Z19A23. There, by the brewery, at 08.15 to Imbus at 08.30. He stood alone on the stones, his mess tin spilled at his feet. Out of the vortex, rifling the air, it came. Bright, brass-shod, Pandoran, 
With all filling, screaming, the howling crescendos up-piling snapped. The universal world, breath held one half a second, a bludgeoned stillness. And then the pent violence released a consummation of all burstings out, all sudden uprendings and rivings through, all taking out of vents, all barrier-breaking, all unmaking, penetric begetting, the dissolving and splitting of solid things in which unearthing aftermath. John Ball picked up his mess tin and hurried within, ashen, huddled, waited in the dismal straw. Behind E-Battery, 50 yards down the road, a great many mangolds, uprooted, pulped, congealed with chemical earth, spattered and made slippery the rigid boards leading to the emplacement. The sap of vegetables slobbered the spotless breech block of number three gun. Keith Douglas, a voice from the Second World War, writing in 1943, How to Kill. Under the parabola of a ball, a child turning into a man. I looked into the air too long. The ball fell in my hand. It sang in the closed fist, open, open. Behold a gift designed to kill. Now in my dial of glass appears the soldier who is going to die. He smiles, moves about in ways his mother knows, habits of his. The wires touch his face. I cry, now, death. Like a familiar, hears, and look, has made a man of dust of a man of flesh. This sorcery I do. Being damned, I'm amused to see the center of love diffused and the waves of love travel into vacancy. How easy it is to make a ghost. The weightless mosquito touches her tiny shadow on the stone and with how like, how infinite a likeness, man and shadow meet, they fuse. A shadow is a man when the mosquito death approaches. In parenthesis, part three, starlight order. Men went to Catrife, familiar with laughter, the old, the young, the strong, the weak. Horses draw out onto the road, lightly, unballast, tailboard pins pale, played free, and road sets flint for the striking, at slither and recover. One leaping up behind who cries out, tosses some bulging sack. For the wagon lines, forgot last night, good night, Di, good night, Mick. Good night, Master. May Barbara bless the bed that you go to and keep her partial suffrages against his evening hate. Good night, Parrot. Good night, Bess. Good night. Good night, Backup. He gets nasty later on. Good night. Buenas hours, Welder. No star, Jack a dandy. Night, night. To commemorate the Battle of Ypres, November 1914, two poems by Ivor Gurney, who fought in that battle. Mist on Meadows. Mist lies heavy on English meadows, as ever on Ypres. 
But the friendliness here is greater in full field and head shadows, and there is less menace and no dreadfulness as when the very lights went up to show the land stark. Dreadful green light bearing the ruined trees, stakes, pools, lostness, better hidden dreadful in dark, and not ever reminding of these other fields where tall dock and clover is. And this sweet grass yields for that poisoned, where the cattle hoof makes mark and the river mist drifts slowly along the leaves. But they honor not and salute not those boys who saw a terror of waste, endured horror, and were not fearer before the barrages like heaven's anger, wanton known, feared not, and saw great earth spouts in terror thrown, but could not guess, but could not guess, alas, how England should take as common their vast endurance, and let them be but boys having served time overseas. Minsterworth. Thick lie in Gloucester orchards now, apples, the seven wind with rough play tore from the tossing branches and left behind leaves strewn on pastures, blown in hedges and by the roadway lined. And I lie leagues on leagues afar to think how that wind made great shoutings in the wide chimney a noise of cannonade, of how the proud elms by the signpost the tempest's will obeyed. To think how in some German prison a boy lies with whom I might have taken joy full-hearted, hearing the great boom of autumn, watching the fire, talking of books in the half-gloom. O wind of Ypres and of Severn, riot there also, and tell of comrades safe returned, home-keeping music and autumn smell. Comfort blow him and friendly greeting hearten him. Wish him well. Isaac Rosenberg's August 1914. What in our lives is burnt in the fire of this, the heart's dear granary, the much we shall miss. Three lives hath one life, iron, honey, gold. The gold, the honey gone, left is the hard and cold. Iron are our lives, molten right through our youth. A burnt space through ripe fields, a fair mouth's broken tooth. R.S. Thomas, here. 
I am a man now. Pass your hand over my brow. You can feel the place where the brains grow. I am like a tree. From my top boughs, I can see the footprints that led up to me. There is blood in my veins that has run clear of the stain contracted in so many loins. Why then are my hands red with the blood of so many dead? Is this where I was misled? Why are my hands this way that they will not do as I say? Does no God hear when I pray? I have nowhere to go. The swift satellites show the clock of my whole being is slow. It is too late to start, for destination's not of the heart. I must stay here with my hurt. And translated into Welsh. Rydwi'n ddyn bellach. Rhoch eich llaw ar fan halcen. Gallwch deimlo'r man lle mae'r amenydd yn tyfu. Dwi'n debyg i goeden. O'r canghennau uchaf eallau weld olion traed a fi'n arwain tiag atau. A gwaed yn fyngwythiannau. Sy'n rhedeg yn glir o'r staen sy'n ffynu mewn cynifer. Pa ham felly. Mae fy nwylon goch a gwaed cynifer o'r meirw. Sut y cefais fy'n ham arwain. Pa ham roedd yn nwylaw y ffordd hyn, os na gnewn nhw fel rhwy'n gofyn, na fedr diw glywed fy ngweddi. Does gen i'r un man i fynd. Mae'r llorennau cyflym, mond yn dangos mor araf yw cloc fy mydolaeth. Mae'n rhy hwyr i ddechrau ar siwrne heb ddod o'r galon, rhaid i mi aros yma yn dolurio. Ballad of the Three Spectres by Ivor Gurney As I went up by Ovilers, in mud and water, cold to the knee, there went three jeering, fleering spectres that walked abreast and talked of me. The first said, Here's a right brave soldier that walks the dark unfearingly. Soon he'll come back on a fine stretcher and laughing for a nice blighty. Lance Corporal Lewis sings where he walks, yet in a low voice because of the disciplines of the wars. He sings to the hills about Jerusalem and of David of the White Stone. Thomas, in memoriam, Easter 1915. 
The flowers left thick at nightfall in the wood this Eastertide call into mind the men now far from home who, with their sweethearts, should have gathered them and will do never again. From in parenthesis. The memory lets escape what is over and above as spilled bitterness, unmeasured, poured out and again drenched down, demoniac pouring, who grins, who pours to fill flood and superflow insensately, pint pot from milliard quart measure. In the little hours they sing the song of degrees and of the coals that lie waste. Soul pass through torrent and the whole situation is intolerable. He found him all gone to pieces and not pulling himself together nor making the best of things. When they found him, his friends came on him in the secluded fire bay who miserably wept for the pity of it all and for the thing shortly to come to pass and no hills to cover us. Wilfred Owen, Miners. There was a whispering in my hearth, a sigh of the coal grown wistful of a former earth I might recall. I listened for a tale of leaves and smothered ferns, frond forests, and the low, sly lives before the fawns. I fire might show steam phantoms simmer from time's old cauldron before the birds made nests in summer or men had children. But the coals were murmuring of their mine and moans down there of boys that slept wry sleep and men writhing for air. And I saw white bones in the cinder shard, bones without number many the muscled bodies charred and few remember i thought of all that worked dark pits of war and died digging the rock where death reputes peace lies indeed comforted years will sit soft chaired in rooms of amber the years will stretch their hands well cheered by our lives ember the centuries will burn rich loads with which we groaned, whose warmth shall lull their dreaming lids while songs are crooned. But they will not dream of us, poor lads, left in the ground. Forty-five! Christ! Forty-five in a jubilee year before the mothers of these pups are dug to nourish them! He grips more tightly the cold band of his sling swivel. He had known more sodden, darker ways below the old working. He shifts his flailing flanks along the clammy slats. He settles his lance jack. He joins that muted song. Together they sing low of the little cauldron. Together they commemorate Johnny Bach. Please join us. Remember the soldiers singing it in the trenches. My peace, very 
In parenthesis, part four, King Pelham's land. Like a home-reared animal in a quiet nook before his day came, before entering into the prison of earth, around the contest, active and defensive, around the fort, around the steep, piled sods. Come on, knights fall for ambuscade. Find harbor with a remnant. Share with the prescribed their unleavened cake. Come for sweet princes by malignant interest deprived. Wait, wait long for with the broken men, nest with badger and the marten cat, till such time as he come again, crying the waste for his chosen. Or come in gathering nuts in May, or run want wit in a shirt for the queen's unreason, beat boy's bush for Robin and Bobbin. Come with Merlin in his madness, for the pity of it, for the young men reaped like green barley, for the folly of it. They were at breakfast, and were cold as he. They too made their dole, and one played on an accordion. of Wales at the passion of the blind bohemian king. They served in these fields. It is in the histories that you can read it. Corporal, boys, Gower, they were. It is writ down, yes. What about Methuselah, Taffy? I was with Abel when his brother found him under the green tree. I built a shit house for Erturxes. I was the spear in Balin's hand that made waste King Pelham's land. It may be remembered, Seifenin and the desolated Cantrevs, the sixteen fortified places, the great cry of the sea above the sigh of Gwydno when his entrenchment stove in. Anyway, he kept the talk to himself, for there was none to share it in that company. 
For although Watkin knew everything about the Neath 15 and he could sing Sospan Vach to make the traverse ring, he might have been an Englishman when it came to matters near to a Neirin's heart. For Watkin was innocent of his descent from Aeneas, was unaware of Geoffrey Arthur and his cooked histories, or Tumshunkati for that matter, which pained his lance corporal friend, for whom Troy still burned, and sleeping kings return, and wild men might yet stir from Mawdhui's secrecies. And he who will not come again from his reconnaissance, they've searched his breeches well, they've given him an ivy crown, in Llywolav, whose wounds they do bleed by day and by night in December wood. Lance Corporal Lewis fed on these things. Ossip Mandelstam's eyelashes sting with tears. Eyelashes sting with tears as a sob wells up in the chest. I sense the storm is imminent, but I am not afraid. Someone wonderful hurries me to forget something. I feel I'm being smothered, yet I want to live to the point of dying. At the first sound, I rise from the bunks, looking around me with wild and sleepy eyes. Thus, a prisoner in a rough coat sings a convict song as the strip of dawn rises over the labor camp. In parenthesis, part five, squat garlands for white knights. He has brought to us a bright fire and to a white fresh floor hide. Goddamn, not tomorrow, Harry Hearn. Spring to it, there's a sort of a war on. The outlandish men have to be warned. The Confederates, brother, A and C are halfway to me out, and the slingers who muck in. And the selected ones, an ecclesia who have special meats off the QM. They rumour to the companies, a further afield still, beyond the medium TMs. You're nearly at brigade boundary there. You can see the tents of the horse marines who wait to cooperate. Who, waking, stiffed searching limb like Signorelli's innocent, to rise and shine for Ares bellowing, who straightened his tunic and came in. Oh, companies! Yes, sir! And regimental sergeant Major yes. Bolander. Yes, sir. Find the regimental first. Yes, sir. And this for the bombing officer is urgent. Yes, sir. Edward Thomas. Lights out. I have come to the borders of sleep, the unfathomable deep forest where all must lose their way, however straight or winding. Soon or late, they cannot choose. Many a road and track that since dawn's first crack up to the forest brink deceived the travellers suddenly now blurs and in they sink. Here, love ends. Despair, ambition ends. All pleasure and all trouble, although most sweet or bitter, here ends in sleep that is sweeter than tasks most noble. There is not any book or face of dearest look that I would not turn from now 
to go into the unknown. I must enter and leave alone. I know not how. The tall forest towers, its cloudy foliage lowers ahead, shelf above shelf. Its silence I hear and obey that I may lose myself, my way, and myself. Strange Meeting by Wilfred Owen. It seemed that out of battle I escaped down some profound, dull tunnel, long since scooped through granites which titanic wars had groined. Yet also there encumbered sleepers groaned, too fast in thought or death to be bestirred. Then, as I probed them, one sprang up and stared with piteous recognition in fixed eyes, lifting distressful hands as if to bless. And by his smile I knew that sullen hall, by his dead smile I knew we stood in hell. With a thousand pains that vision's face was grained, yet no blood reached there from the upper ground, and no guns thumped or down the flues made moan. Strange friend, I said, here is no cause to mourn. None, said that other, save the undone years, the hopelessness. Whatever hope is yours was my life also. I went hunting wild after the wildest beauty in the world, which lies not calm in eyes or braided hair, but mocks the steady running of the hour. And if it grieves, grieves richlier than here. For by my glee might many men have laughed, and of my weeping something had been left which must die now. I mean the truth untold, the pity of war, the pity war distilled. Now men will go content with what we spoiled, or discontent boil bloody and be spilled. They will be swift with swiftness of the tigress. None will break ranks, though nations trek from progress. Courage was mine, and I had mystery. Wisdom was mine, and I had mastery. To miss the march of this retreating world into vain citadels that are not walled. Then, when much blood had clogged their chariot wheels, I would go up and wash them from sweet wells, even with truths that lie too deep for taint. I would have poured my spirit without stint, but not through wounds, not on the cess of war. Foreheads of men have bled where no wounds were. I am the enemy you killed, my friend. I knew you in this dark, for so you frowned. Yesterday, through me as you jabbed and killed, I parried. But my hands were loath and cold. Let us sleep now. In parenthesis, part six, pavilions and captains of hundreds. Men went to Catraith as day dawned, their fears disturbed their peace. Men went to Catraith, free of speech was their host, death's sure meeting place, the goal of their marching. 
gwir a aeth gatraeth oedd ffraeth ei llu. Glasfedd ei hanquin a gwenwyn fi. Trychant trwy beiriant yn catau a gwedi elwch, taw elwch fi. They talked of ordinary things, of each one's friends at home, those friends unknown to either of the other two, of the possible duration of the war, of how they would meet and in what good places afterwards, of the dissimilar merits of Welshmen and Cockneys, of the diverse virtues of regular and temporary officers, or if you'd ever read the books of Mr. Wells, of the poetry of Rupert Brooke, of how you really couldn't very well carry more than one book at a time in your pack, of the losses of the battalion since they'd come to France, of the hateful discomfort of having no greatcoats with fighting order, of how, how bad this was. Rupert Brooks, the soldier. If I should die, think only this of me, that there's some corner of a foreign field that is forever England. There shall be in that rich earth a richer dust concealed, a dust whom England bore, shaped, made aware, gave once her flowers to love, her ways to roam, a body of England's breathing English air, washed by the rivers, blessed by sons of home. And think, this heart, all evil shed away, a pulse in the eternal mind, no less, gives somewhere back the thoughts by England given, her sights and sounds, dreams happy as her day, and laughter learnt of friends and gentleness in hearts at peace under an English heaven. Marina Svetayeva, Poems to Czechoslovakia, 1938. What tears in eyes now, weeping with anger and love. Czechoslovakia's tears, Spain in its own blood. And what a black mountain has blocked the world from the light. It's time, it's time, it's time to give back to God his ticket. I refuse to be in the madhouse of the inhuman. I refuse to live with the wolves of the marketplace. I refuse to howl among the sharks of the plain. I refuse to swim down where moving bats make a current. I have no need of holes for ears, nor prophetic eyes. To your mad world, there is one answer to refuse. A Holocaust Poem by Primo Levi Shimar You who live secure in your warm houses Who return at evening to find hot food and friendly faces Consider whether this is a man Who labors in the mud, who knows no peace Who fights for a crust of bread Who dies at a yes or a no Consider whether this is a woman without hair or name, with no more strength to remember eyes empty and womb cold as a frog in winter. Consider that this has been 
I commend these words to you. Engrave them on your hearts. When you are in your house, when you walk on your way, when you go to bed, when you rise, repeat them to your children. Or may your house crumble, disease render you powerless, your offspring avert their faces from you. In parenthesis, part seven, the five unmistakable marks. Godothin, I demand thy support. It is our duty to sing. A meeting place has been found. Wilfred Owen's anthem for doomed youth. What passing bells for these who die as cattle. Only the monstrous anger of the guns, only the stuttering rifles' rapid rattle can patter out their hasty orisons. No mockeries now for them, no prayers nor bells, nor any voice of mourning save the choirs, the shrill, demented choirs of wailing shells and bugles calling for them from sad shires. What candles may be held to speed them all? Not in the hands of boys, but in their eyes shall shine the holy glimmers of goodbyes. The pallor of girls' brows shall be their pall, their flowers the tenderness of patient minds, and each slow dusk a drawing down of blinds. Dylan Thomas the hand that signed the paper. The hand that signed a paper felled a city. Five sovereign fingers taxed the breath, doubled the globe of dead, and halved a country. These five kings did a king to death. The mighty hand leads to a sloping shoulder. The finger joints are cramped with chalk, a goose's quill has put an end to murder that put an end to talk. The hand that signed the treaty bred a fever and famine grew and locusts came. Great is the hand that holds dominion over man by a scribbled name. The five kings count the dead, but do not soften the crusted wound nor stroke the brow. A hand rules pity as a hand rules heaven, hands have no tears to flow. R.S. Thomas, No Seigneur, reflecting on war and Vietnam. We were out in the hard country. The railroads kept crossing our path, signed with important names, Salamanca to Madrid, Malaga to Barcelona. Sometimes an express went by, tubular in the newest fashion. The faces were a blurred frieze, a hundred or so city people digesting their latest meal over coffee, over a cigarette, discussing the news from Vietnam, fondling imaginary wounds of the last war, honouring themselves in the country to which they belonged by proxy. Their landscape slipped by on a spool. We saw the asses hobbling upon the road to the village. No Don Quixote upon their backs, but all the burden of a poor land, the weeds and grasses of the Mesa. The men walked beside them. There was no sound. 
but the hoarse music of the bells. And uh, translated into Welsh. Roedd yn allan yn wlad arw. Roedd yr heilffyrdd yn eich rhoesu drwydd i draw a'i harwyddion o ddinasoedd pwysig o Salamanca i Madrid, Malaga i Barcelona. Am bell drod a'w trên cyflym yn sglenio yn ei newydd wedd. Y gwynebau wedi i dal megis darlun a neglir, cant a mwy o bobl dinesig yn treulio ei pryd diweddara dros goffi efo sigaret. Yn trafod yn newyddion o Vietnam, gan anwesu'r clwyfau dychmygol o'r rhyfel ddiweddara. Han rhydedd o wlad honno nawr yn ei heiddo nhw o bell, ei tyrlun yn rhithro heibio megis ffilm. Fy welwn ni o'r asynod yn hercio heibio ar hyd yr hewl tuag at y pentre, na mynd o'n gihoti ar ei cefnau, ond pwysau'r tîr tlawd, y chwyn a gwair y mesa. Cerddau'r dynion wrth i hochre. Doedd dim sŵn, heblaw cerddoriaeth cras i clychau. Ariel Dorfman's poem on Iraq. Pablo Picasso has words for Colin Powell from the other side of death. Yes, even here. Here, more than anywhere else, we know and watch what is going on, what you're doing with the world that we left behind. What else can we do with our time? Yes, there you were, Mr. Secretary. I think that's how they call you. There you were, standing in front of my Guernica. A replica, it is true. But still my vision of what was done that day to the men and to the women and to the children and to that one child in Guernica that day in 1937 from the sky. Well, not really standing in front of it. It had been covered, our Guernica, covered so you could speak there in the United Nations building so you could speak about Iraq undisturbed by Guernica. Why should it disturb? perturb you? Why did you not ask that the cover be removed, the picture be revealed? Why did you not point to the shrieking, the horse dying over and over again, the woman with a child forever dead, the child that I nurse here in this darkness, the child who watches with me as you speak, and you speak? Why did you not say, this is why we must be rid of the dictator? Why did you not say, this is what Iraq has already done and undone? Why did you not say, this is what we are trying to save the world from? Why did you not use Guernica to make your case? Were you afraid that the mother would leap from her image and say, no, he is the one. They are the ones who will bomb from afar. They are the ones who will kill the child. No, no, no. He is the one. They, them, from the distance, the bombs, keeping us always out of sight, inside death and out of sight. Were you afraid that the horse would show the world the near future? 3,000 cruise missiles in the first hour, spinning into Baghdad. 10,000 Guernicas spinning into Baghdad from the sky. Were you afraid of my art? 
What I am still saying, more than 65 years later, the story still being told, the vision still dangerous, the light bulb still hanging, like an eye from the dead, my eye that looks at you from the dead. Beware. Beware the eye of the child in the dark. You will join us, the child and I, the horse and the mother, here on the other side. You will join us soon. You will journey here as we all do. Is that why you were so afraid of me? Join us and spend the rest of eternity watching, watching, watching next to us next to the remote dead, not only of Iraq, not only of. Is that why you were so afraid of that eye, watching your own eyes sewn open wide, looking at the world you left behind? There is nothing else to do with our time. Sentence to watch and watch by our side. Until there will be no Guernicas left. Until the living understand. And then, Mr. Secretary, and then a world with no Guernicas. And then... Yes, then. You and I... Yes, then. We can rest. You and I and the covered child. Edna St. Vincent Mille, conscientious objector. I shall die, but that is all that I shall do for death. I hear him leading his horse out of the stall. I hear the clatter on the barn floor. He is in haste. He has business in Cuba, business in the Balkans, many calls to make this morning. But I will not hold the bridle while he cinches the girth, and he may mount by himself. I will not give him a leg up. Though he flick my shoulders with his whip, I will not tell him which way the fox ran. With his hoof on my breast, I will not tell him where the black boy hides in the swamp. I shall die, but that is all that I shall do for death. I am not on his payroll. I will not tell him the whereabouts of my friends, nor of my enemies either. Though he promise me much, I will not map him the route to any man's door. Am I a spy in the land of the living, that I should deliver men to death? Brother, the password and the plans of our city are safe with me. Never through me shall you be overcome. We are ending with some words of hope, written even in the darkest times in history. The first is from Ravensbrook, and the second from Wales. Forgiveness, a poem and a prayer written by an unknown prisoner in Ravensbrook concentration camp and left by the body of a dead child. O oh Lord, remember not only the men and women of goodwill, but also those of ill will. But do not remember all the suffering they have inflicted on us. Remember the fruits we have bought thanks to this suffering, our comradeship, 
our loyalty, our humility, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart which has grown out of all this. And when they come to judgment, let all the fruits which we have borne be their forgiveness. Waldo Williams, Arhenast. Well, Arhenast and Tovieto, I bowed and Gorlivo are bob tea, Serchi Thorilauri, Borfi Ifern, and Fossid Frank, Trirpedair, Blanev, the. The old hillside. Look how the old hillside grows again, its life overflowing everywhere. "'Twas cut down and decimated for France's trenches, four years made bare.' "'Pider blynedd hyll yw'n gwaed a llaca. "'Pider blynedd erch misgdyr a flwm. "'Hen flynyddoedd torri calon marged, "'a blynyddoedd crino enaid tum. Four bleak years of blood and sod, four leaden years of iron and guts, Age-old years that broke, dear Margaret, and wrecked our Tom's sweet-loving spirit. And wille, mae'r hen allt yn tyfu eto, a'i chraith yn codi yn lan o ddiarichlwy, a llywodraethwyr dynion a'i dyfeisiwyr yn llunio arfau damnedigaeth fwy. Look, the old hillside grows again. Its scar, so clean, conceals its wounds, while our governors and their advisers create more arms for further battles. Or henast vuin, the asun uila dagre, more hovered fall defeeds than the nolru, as horse a withered er pob guai and disquil and disquil our dat gidiad may be on do. Oh, sweet old hillside, I could weep for thee. So true your faith in humankind, with all your zeal, despite the hardship, await, await God's sons to rise. (laughs) 